Hey there, future fans! This week, we'd catch a grenade for your wife, and guess what? Sea monsters are people too! This is the week of June 18th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 206 of Future Flicks with Billiam. All right, everyone, welcome to the show, episode 206, and I swear to God I'll get better at sharing the show on social media. As we speak, almost 6 p.m. on the 14th, I actually shared the show on on something other than my Instagram stories. I always say this is the week, you know, I finish an episode, I go, this week I'll get better about social media, I'll get better about sharing the show on social media, and then Monday rolls around, I'm like, well, f- I didn't do that. I just sat on my ass and, well, you know, I went to work, did stuff and read books and played video games and all the usual. But sharing the show, trying to get it out there more is something I always fail at. So, you know, when the somewhat nerdy podcast network finally comes back in full swing, that's something we'll all have to get better with. Snarf Chris was actually never that bad at it. He was always very good about sharing the show and had to quite a few times remind me to do the same. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, I don't do that. The good news is when I do share the show, I find that other podcasts are very supportive because it's it's kind of like improv. If you've ever taken an improv class, you know that you're taught to make everyone else look good. Like, don't focus on you. Make everyone else look good. Because in that case, you have everyone else making you look good. So we all were in this together. And I find the podcast community, just like the book community in both YouTube and Instagram, uh, they're like that. That's... Uh, very accepting, very warm. That's been one reason I've been scared about getting started on TikTok, because it just looks like a hellscape. Well, anyway, in case you're new, let me tell you what it is I do on this show. You are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. I am Billiam. This is Future Flicks. On this show, I talk about flicks in the future. That's right. I have a crystal ball I stare into, and I do my weird magic stuff. That's a lie. I have no magic. You know, it's weird. I, I do want to learn magic. Uh, I know in theory how to make a card disappear. I could do the motion, but I don't have the hands for it. So I could do it in slow-mo, but in slow-mo, it's obvious where the card's going. It, but that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about the show. So I talk about movies from the future. I talk about all the movies coming out during the week. I break them up into two categories, the limited releases. That's any movie that's not getting a nationwide release. And also, they did nothing to catch my eye. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be bad. But, uh, you know, based on the trailer, I'm not too excited. The next segment, wide releases and interesting indies, are exactly that. Every nationwide release and any indie film or limited release film that did catch my eye. Before we do that, though, we talk about the news and trailers And in those sections, I talk about any new news and any new trailers that caught my eye. And sometimes I miss stuff. And if I do, and you want to hear me talk about it, just let me know. And I will talk about it in the next episode. And I do have a pick of the week where I tell you, hey, if you go see a movie in theaters this week or see a movie streaming at home, this movie 
is probably your best bet based on the how entertaining the trailer is. And all the movies in the wide releases and interesting indie section, I give a score, which I call, and let's sing it, the Billiams Interest Level Score. Yada da 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 Hey. On that score, it goes anywhere from a zero for those awful films that just make me roll my eyes to an 11 for those films that are so, so special. Because let's be honest, my zero to 11 score is basically a zero to 10 score with an extra point for blowing my mind. Well, my future friends, let us wait not a single moment longer, not one iota of time, and jump into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. Well, my friends, welcome to the news. In this story from Deadline, the Knives Out 2 cast has been fleshed out a bit more. So as we already know, Knives Out, at least one and two, if they're going to do more, great. But so far, it's going to be an anthology series where we have the main character of Benoit Blanc, played by Daniel Craig, solving a different crime each time in the same vein as Hercule Poirot. I almost said Inspector Clouseau, but that's the Pink Panther. Um, but, you know, that, that it kind of worked like that, too. So we know that Knives Out 2... There, it's only Daniel Craig returning, unless they're going to surprise us with something later because it's going to be a new case. Uh, but the case, the the cast is starting to flesh out. This particular news story tells us that Jessica Henwick has joined the cast. Jessica Henwick of movies like Love and Monsters. She was on Game of Thrones for a while, and she's going to be in The Matrix Four. Already in the cast, we have Daniel Craig, of course, Dave Bautista, Catherine Hahn, Madeline Klein, Edward Norton, Kate Hudson, Leslie Odom Jr., Janelle Monet, and so far that's it, but that, that that's a great cast. We don't need anyone else. You had me at, okay, let's say Janelle Monet, because she's dope, Dave Bautista, uh, Catherine Hahn, and Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, everyone else, candy. You, you could take, like, any four of these people. And you have a great cast. And just like number one, Knives Out 2 will be written and directed by Ryan Johnson. So, hey, maybe we have something on our hands here because Knives Out 1 was really good. In a story from Variety, which will give very, very minor spoilers to the movie Greenland. So if you want to know, skip this, uh, I don't know, five seconds, ten seconds. From now, Gerard Butler and Morena Baccarin will reprise their roles in a sequel to that movie. Greenland came out in 2020, and it was a, you know, one of those uh, end-of-the-world catastrophe thrillers. And they're going to make another one! Yay! This next story comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. A Quiet Place Part 2. Electric... Quiet Place? Sorry, that's really bad. I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head. I went for the electric boogaloo joke again. Come on, Billiam! Do better! Okay, here we go. A Quiet Place Episode 2, Attack of the Silence. That's better, right? is the first movie to gross $100 million domestically in the pandemic area. And no, I've stopped saying post-pandemic because we're still in it. Come on, people, let's get through this. Get your vaccinations. Stop listening to idiots on Facebook, honestly. But it's a big deal because since the pandemic started, this is the most money a movie has made. So yay for that. It is a sign of things getting better, and it is a sign that, yes... All of these production companies, all these distribution companies had to just start releasing the films. And it's going to hurt. Uh, I think it was In the Heights, which got a dual HBO Max and theatrical release, only did $11.4 its opening weekend. 
which is pitiful. But there's a mix to that. There's a story from Variety, if you want to read it, that talks about how it had a big fan base, but they didn't count on anyone past the fan base watching it kind of thing. It's kind of like Hamilton. It didn't explode overnight. Like, it slowly grew and grew and grew into something huge. But these companies just had to start releasing the films and realizing they're going to take a hit, but also realizing that what else could they do? Just hold on to the movies forever until people truly don't care? And in In the Heights news, this from Variety, Lin-Manuel Miranda addresses lack of Afro-Latino representation in In the Heights. He says, quote, we fell short. Uh, to the full statement is that I started writing In the Heights because I didn't feel seen. And over the past 20 years, all I wanted was for us, all of us, to be seen. I'm seeing the discussion around Afro-Latino representation in our film this weekend, and it's clear that many of our dark-skinned Afro-Latino community don't feel sufficiently represented with it, particularly among the leading roles. I can hear the hurt and frustration over colorism of feeling still unseen in the feedback. I hear that without sufficient dark-skinned Afro-Latino representation, the work feels extractive of the community we wanted so much to represent with pride and joy. In trying to paint a mosaic of this community, we fell short. I'm truly sorry. I'm learning from the feedback, and I thank you for raising it. I'm listening. Though he does go on to say, and I think this is important, I'm trying to hold space for both incredible pride in the movie we made and be accountable for our shortcomings. Thank you for your honest feedback. I promise to do better in my future projects, and I'm dedicated to the learning and evolving we all have to do to make sure we are honoring our diverse and vibrant community. Okay, look, I've made it no secret that in the past, I've had very problematic views, and I was an asshole when it came to stuff like that. Since then, I have had my eyes open. I no longer have those views. I've I've been shown how they're wrong. Old me would have pointed out going, oh, come on. Like, look, there was Latino representation. That's something. Ignoring the fact that, look, there are parts of that community, the, the Latin community, that's like, hey, well, what about us? We we see other people from our community there, but no one that represents me. So I think Lin-Manuel Miranda handled this the best he could. And I think we should still support this movie, still support creators of color, and just remember that, hey, there's more to this community than the, what we see on the screen. My future friends, if I remember to, uh, this November, you may be hearing me talk about a movie called Rocky Four that'd be coming out in theaters. That's right, Rocky Four, the one where he fights Ivan Drago, uh, because the director's cut is being released. Yes, the movie was given a touch-up and the director's cut uh, like put together, and the film is being re-released on November 11th, and I am very excited. My future friends, I just want you to know that Batman is not allowed to be a thoughtful lover. That's right. How do I know this? Because... The co-creator of the animated Harley Quinn show that's going to HBO Max, that's getting its third season soon, has revealed that DC rejected a scene depicting oral sex between Batman and Catwoman for the show's third season. Uh, Wow, I can't believe I'm talking about this. It's not even movie related. It's just f***ing hilarious. So let me read some quotes. He says, It's incredibly gratifying and free to be using characters that are considered villains because you just have so much more leeway. A perfect example of that is in the third season of Harley when we had a moment where Batman was going down on Catwoman. And DC was like, you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. They're like, heroes don't do that. So we said, are you saying heroes are just selfish lovers? And they were like, no. 
That's what we sell. Consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on someone. Says the same company that created the Batman Who Laughs. So, basically, Batman, the Batman that you're selling toys for, turns into this homicidal maniac. And you're like, no, we can't have him, uh, we can't have him enjoy Catwoman's Kitty. We can't, we can't have that shit. Whatever, it's just a funny story. In a story from IndieWire, Jordana Brewster has said yes, she's heard some rumors about an all-female Fast and Furious spinoff, and she thinks that it would be incredible. She says, think about all the people we could bring back. Right, we could bring back Eva Mendez, who'd be incredible to work with. There's Helen Mirren, Charlize Theron. Really throw in Nathalie Emmanuel, me, and Michelle Rodriguez. It would be really, really cool. Maybe bring Gal Gadot back from the dead? Maybe. Because if we brought Han back, why not bring Gal Gadot back, goddammit? That last part was me, not her. Alright, my friends, some non-movie news, but something that's important to talk about. This from Bustle. The writers behind the Selena TV show, or the Netflix special, I mean, uh, talked about problems with the series and their pay. Apparently, the Selena show was ordered as a Latin American production, which gave them a smaller budget and thus affected their pay. Gladys Rodriguez says, I feel like our work was cheapened from the start. We were never given a fair chance. This largely English language series was not made a U.S. original, even though this article from Bustle says it would have made sense to have been, seen as how it follows the career of the late singer Selena, who was a big icon in Latin America, but also for Mexican-Americans and Latin Americans. So Netflix being a little sus right there. My future friends in this story from Showbiz 411, apparently Cruella ain't doing too well. It had a Friday night box office last week of just 2.1 million, so Disney is stripping Cruella of 615 theaters. Apparently, Cruella now has 50 million in its till and no chance of hitting 100 million, a direct quote by Roger Friedman, author of this article. They are saying, of course, they don't know what's going on at Disney Plus, but in the theaters, they're not going to hit 100 million. And it's only done a half of what Q2, Quiet Place 2, has done. Did you... Did you like that Mighty Ducks 2 reference? I, I'm, I'm glad. that I thought of that. So just more signs that the box office is slowly coming back, but the keyword is slowly. All right, my future friends, that is it for the news. Let us take our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, my future friends, we are back in this time. That's right for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. It is time for the final trailer, what I assume is the final trailer. Let, let, let me actually find out what it says. No, just the second trailer, so we could get one more for Space Jam A New Legacy coming out on July 16th. This, of course, is another Space Jam film, but it's still unclear if the first Space Jam happened in this world because they have not alluded to it at all. It looks like the the Toons have to learn how to play basketball again, which they already learned in the first movie, unless it's been so long that they forgot. It also looks like they're in cyberspace 
instead of Toon World. Uh, but the but look, you already know if you're going to see this. You do because it's it's nostalgic and it actually looks pretty good. But here's the thing about the trailer. I think they're starting to show too much. There's a lot of new scenes in the second trailer. And I think if you're already set on seeing this film, I think you should skip it. Skip the trailer, that is, because it's just going to spoil stuff, which which could be funny when you watch it in the theaters. So if you watch the first trailer and you went, yeah, that is something I want to watch. Leave it at that. Don't check out anything else new. Space Jam, A New Legacy didn't have a great second trailer because, like I said, they showed a little too much. So this is coming out in theaters and on HBO Max on July 16th. And it is only available on HBO Max if you get their ad-free plan, of course. I say of course, but I didn't even notice that until I read the fine print. But, you know, have at it. All right, my future friends, the next movie we have to talk about is actually a trilogy of movies coming out over the span of three weeks from July 2nd to July 16th on Netflix. This is called Fear Street, and it's based off a series by R.L. Stein, which I actually didn't read because I loved Goosebumps, so it's weird I missed this. Uh, released in 1989, uh, the series of books includes, let's see, 20, 30, 40, oh Jesus, still going, 51 books in the original series. Uh, it has New Fear Street, uh, which was a five four book series, and then more ones coming out, a return to Fear Street and so on and so forth. So a huge series. We're getting three movies out of this. The first one is called Fear Street Part 1, 1994, is released on July 2nd. Fear Street Part 2, 1978, released on July 3rd. And July 3rd, July 9th, I'm sorry. And Fear Street Part 3, 1666, released on July 16th. And this is about this one city that is connected to all of these scary things and how it keeps happening on a, like in some sort of pattern all the way back since 1666 when it all started. And so these kids in 1994 have to figure out what the fuck is going on. The official premise for the first movie is a circle of teenage friends accidentally encounter the ancient evil responsible for a series of brutal murders that have plagued their town for over 300 years. Welcome to Shadyside. Right off the bat, the only people that I recognized without having to look them up are Jillian Jacobs from Community and Life of the Party and Sadie Sink from Stranger Things. She plays Max from R.L. Stein from a book series written by R.L. Stein, the guy behind Goosebumps. I expected this to be a little more kid friendly, but it's looking like it's going to be more older teen young adult. Because it looks like there's actually brutal murders, not like Saw-level brutal, but more brutal than you would think from R.L. Stein, as well as, as, well as some swearing. Uh, but this does look very interesting, and I'm down. I am, I'm actually very excited by this release schedule. Like, each week, for three weeks, we're getting a new film in this series, and by the time the final one comes out, it's going to wrap the whole thing up. I'm excited. Starts July 2nd, ends July 16th. But of course, you can just wait till they're all out, do a day of it, and that could be sick. All right, next up in the trove, we have a new movie from 20th Century Fox Animation, which I'm not sure if they're going to keep that name since Fox was sold or what, but it's basically the same company, whether or not Disney keeps the name. They're the same company that did the Ice Age movies, Fantastic Mr. Spock, Spock, Fantastic Mr. Spock. Oh, that'd be so good. Fantastic Mr. Fox, Spies in Disguise, Isle of Dog, and now they're doing Ron's Gone Wrong. This is a movie coming out on October 22nd. 
about this awkward middle school kid who, for his birthday, gets the newest, coolest thing, which is a walking, talking, digitally connected robot. So just imagine a super cell phone, but a robot friend that you can customize whatever way you want. And uh, he gets it, but it's broken and it's weird and it doesn't act right. But guess what? He's going to learn to love it anyway, because that's the point of the goddamn movie. Yay. Features the voices of people like Zach Galifianakis, Olivia Coleman, Ed Helms, Justice Smith, uh, other people, probably. And um, it looks okay. I mean, why not? Check out the trailer if you have a family and you want to take your kids out, especially because it's going to be later in the year when hopefully things are safer. Hopefully this could be something to watch. It looks like it'd be entertaining for adults and kids. All right. Next up in the trailer trove, we have the eyes of Tammy Faye. This is an intimate look at the extraordinary rise, fall, and redemption of televangelist Tammy Faye Baker. This stars Jessica Chastain as Tammy Faye Baker, Andrew Garfield as Jim Baker, Vincent D'Onofrio as Jerry Falwell, and and those really are the biggest names, but that's a really good cast. And I remember these people. I remember when they were all over the TV, always you know asking for money and crying and stuff. What I can't remember is, was it Jim Baker that had that scandal? Uh, was it a sex scandal or something? And then Tammy Faye was next to him crying, uh, begging for forgiveness, and then they like lampooned it everywhere. Was that him or was that Jerry Falwell? Anyway, apparently, if this movie is to be believed, because I don't know much about them. I just know that televangelists are garbage, basically. They get millions and millions of dollars instead of using it to help people like, you know, the Bible says they just keep it all and live in these huge mansions. But if this trailer and what they're saying is to be believed, she was not always 100% on board. She went with it for a long time and then uh, had a, well, you know, she realizes maybe that's not what God really wants and then starts to go against her husband. This looks good. This looks really good. It's a biopic. So, you know, some people hate those right off the bat. But if you don't mind biopics and you like Andrew Garfield and Jessica Chastain and Vincent D'Onofrio, check this out. This comes out on September 17th. And I forgot to say, it's directed by Michael Showalter, of all people. And I forgot he directed The Big Sick. He was a writer and star on Stella, uh, Wet Hot American Summer. He's an actor and a writer on. If you like comedy, there's a chance you've seen something that Michael Showalter has had his hands in. All right, next up, we have a trailer for Great White. Uh, if you have Shudder, this seems to be a Shudder original horror movie because I looked and I can't find if it's ever coming out anywhere else. Uh, the two sources I use for the show don't even have this listed as coming out. So I'm guessing it's Shudder because maybe they'll skip originals from the smaller streaming services. But this comes out July 16th and it's about some people in a seaplane that just land in the middle of nowhere, Australia. And then a great white shark attacks their seaplane and now they're stranded and they're being they're they're trapped on a raft because they, they have a survival raft or something. And then they're being hunted by these sharks. Uh, looks goofy. But if you're a fan of shark horror, this could be for you. It stars Katrina Bowden. She's the only name I recognize from Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Piranha 3 Double D and 30 Rock. Well, my friends, that is it for the trailer trove. Let us take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast, and we'll be right back with the movies. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. 
wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store. I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, the did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of Shut the fuck up. How the fuck did we get here? Fuck all that. Fuck a jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. Tunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, future friends, welcome back to the show. It is time for the limited release movies. And we do have some uh, to talk about, but we have more in the wide releases and interesting indie section like we have for the past few weeks. So I will do some limiteds. Do a couple of the wide releases, then we'll jump into the last break. But for now, let us talk about American Badger. A seemingly cold-blooded hitman is assigned to befriend a call girl, but all hell breaks loose when he's forced to kill her. Oh, noes. This star is no one of note and looks absolutely terrible. Next up is a father's legacy. A young man sets out to find the father he knew. The only thing about this that even appealed to me at all was the fact that it stars Tobin Bell, that's right, Jigsaw himself from Saw. And uh, other than that, it doesn't look that good, but I would be interested one day in, see me, in seeing Tobin Bell in something other than Saw. So there we go. Next up in the limited section, and this is a VOD release as well, is Les Notres. Our own is a social suspense about Magali, a teenager who will have no choice but to take back the reins of her own life against all odds. And that convoluted uh, premise is from France. Next up, we have a movie called Gaia. An injured forest ranger on a routine mission is saved by two off-the-grid survivalists. What is initially a welcome rescue grows more suspicious as a son and his renegade father reveal a cultish devotion to the forest. This is a South African movie and stars no one of note, but it seems a a little different from most because it seems like the bad guy is, isn't just the son and his father. It's this massive, basically mushroom that's growing in the forest. And have you ever heard of that mushroom that's the biggest living being around? Because it takes up a whole forest area, but it's technically one mushroom growing under the ground. That seems like what this movie is based off of. So, hey, if you found that fact interesting, this could be for you. Yay. Next up, a movie called Love Spreads. Limited and VOD for this one. It's time to record the all-important second album, and Glass Heart is breaking in a million pieces. Away from touring and performing, the band is not in harmony, and no amount of history in Rockfield Studios is going to solve that. Three very different songwriters, one desperate producer, a label executive, and a keyboard collide. This stars Alia Shawkat from Arrested Development, Isaac Gonzalez from Baby Driver, and Chanel Cresswell from This Is England which I guess is a popular show or something. Next up, and the final movie in the limited section is a movie called Sweat. And this is just a limited, no VOD here. Three days in the life of fitness motivator Sylvia Zajak, a social media celebrity surrounded by loyal employees and admirers who is really looking for true intimacy. And this is a movie from Sweden, so it doesn't star anyone you'd know. Uh, but if you want to watch, watch a movie that seems like it's going to be a commentary on um, being an influencer in today's age, this could be it. See, that was quick. Remember, though, the good old days when there's a lot of not great looking movies coming out. So the 
So the two um, segments of the show were kind of even. Yeah, good old days, right? Well, let's start with a quick one in the wide releases and interesting indies. I talked about it last week, so I'm just going to briefly mention it again, saying that 12 Mighty Orphans is now getting a nationwide release. If you don't remember that film, haunted by his mysterious past, a devoted high school football coach leads a scrawny team of orphans to the state championship during the Great Depression and inspires a broken nation along the way. This stars Luke Wilson from Vacancy, Vanessa Shaw from Hocus Pocus, Wayne Knight from Jurassic Park, Robert Duvall from Open Range, Martin Sheen from The Departed, and Treat Williams from Deep Rising. So yes, that movie that was a limited release last week is now coming out nationwide this week. Well, time for the first of three documentaries coming out this week. Three documentaries that do look pretty interesting. So let's talk about the first one, which is called The Sparks Brothers. The Sparks Brothers is a musical odyssey through five weird and wonderful decades with Ron and Russell Mayle celebrating the inspiring legacy of Sparks. Uh, This is directed by Edgar Wright. You would know Edgar Wright from the Cornetto trilogy and um, Baby Driver. And I have never heard of this band, but supposedly they're one of those bands that musicians know. So one of the taglines for this movie was your favorite band's favorite band. And that took me way too long to say, like four takes. Anyway, this could be very interesting, or it could be like this documentary I watched one time called Half Japanese, The Band That Would Be King. And this documentary tried to make it sound like they were these amazing musicians, groundbreaking, like, who are the Beatles? We know half Japanese kind of shit. And their music just wasn't for me. I went, oh, cool. Maybe I can be a, a pretentious asshole about this and listen to them and go, oh, you haven't heard about half Japanese? You know, like assholes do. And it was terrible. I just hated it. It's like if the Pixies decided to be even more indie. That's the kind of sound it was. And I like the Pixies. So the problem with the Sparks Brothers, even though the documentary looked interesting, because they did some weird shit, uh, it could be bad if their music's bad. So there you go. Have at it. Next up, we have one called Truman in Tennessee, an intimate conversation. This is about the work, lives, and personal journeys into two iconic American artists. They coalesce with creative combustion in this innovative dual portrait documentary that I can do in one take. Come on. This is about Tennessee Williams and Truman Capote and their love-hate relationship, like legit love-hate. I guess they're both gay and maybe even loved each other, but also hated each other and... It just seems like it's about their relationship, and that could be very interesting. Oh, I never give a a score to the last one. Okay, the Sparks Brothers gets a 5 out of 11. Just because it has potential. Truman in Tennessee gets a 5.5 out of 11. Just because it looked interesting, but it's nothing I ever went... I know what I want to know more about. Truman Capote and Tennessee Williams. There we go. And finally... The last documentary is called Rita Moreno, Just a Girl Who Decided to Go For It. This is a look at the life of Rita Moreno from her humble beginnings in Puerto Rico to her success on Broadway and in Hollywood. Rita Moreno, of course, from West Side Story, uh, The Electric Company. Let's jump forward in time to Oz. Oh, she's in The King and I. She was on Jane the Virgin for a bit. But this movie will talk about more than just her movies. It will talk about her experiences in Hollywood because of her gender, because of her race. 
So while it will talk about her illustrious career, it will get into some hard-hitting topics as well as what she's doing now, because she is still very active as an activist and as an actress still. So this looks very interesting. If you're a fan of Rita Moreno, maybe keep an eye out for this. Rita Moreno, just a girl who decided to go for it, gets a 7 out of 11. All right, my future friends, one more movie before the break, and that's going to be Miss Juneteenth, which is getting a limited release. A former beauty queen and single mom prepares her rebellious teenage daughter for the Miss Juneteenth pageant. This stars Nicole Beher from Sleepy Hollow, Kendrick Sampson from How to Get Away with Murder, Liz Mickle from Friday Night Lights, and introducing Alexis Chikaze, I think is how you say it, who plays the daughter. So this movie shows us an interesting side of a not really very typical movie story, but something we've seen a lot because you probably recognize this trope of a former beauty pageant winner or beauty queen or something. And she's now she's married to this rich person and living this great life, or it's at least not bad. She's not living a bad life. And in this trailer, we see this woman scrubbing a toilet and someone says, Oh, I never thought I'd see Miss Juneteenth scrubbing a toilet. Because life isn't easy, especially when you're a person of color and winning some beauty pageant isn't going to change that. Though it might give you opportunities, there's hope, which is why she's putting her daughter in the pageant. And if you're white like me, you recently have seen this crazy paradigm shift regarding Juneteenth, which has been a thing officially since 1979 i just learned that texas of all places texas was the first state to recognize it as a as a holiday and i'm ashamed that it took up until recently for me to ever hear about this uh, because i when i first heard it i thought it was something relatively new and then i did more digging and just heard people talk about it and find out oh wait this isn't something new But ever since I've been trying to broaden my horizons when it comes to movies and books and everything, I've been hearing about it more. So now that I'm out of this white bubble, well, technically white and Asian bubble, because I I consumed a lot of Asian media. Now I'm hearing about this and it's weird how that happens. You you change what you listen to or what you consume to make it broader and you learn things. And the fact that Juneteenth was never brought up in school, even by my very progressive and very liberal teachers, uh, is is f***ing shocking. My senior year American history teacher was part of the UFW, United Farm Workers, started by Cesar Chavez, and even went to jail a few times by going to protests. And even she didn't say anything about this. And if anyone would have, she would have. The only black teacher I ever had was actually in college and she was a interpersonal communications teacher. So that so Juneteenth never came up then. And I know this is kind of going off topic because this isn't about the movie, but Juneteenth is a big part of the movie. Juneteenth this year, uh, this episode will be out. So if you celebrate happy Juneteenth, I, I think that's something people say. And if not, I'm very sorry. And as you know, I'm open to criticism and education. So back a little bit more about this film. This is directed and written by Channing Godfrey Peoples, who is a writer and director of a few things. This is her first feature-length film. Before this, she did a movie, a short movie called Red, which she wrote and directed, and a documentary short called Carry Me Home, which also she wrote and directed. She did a couple episodes of Queen of Queen Sugar. 
and this year is working on another short called Dorothea's Blues. But the important thing about this film, important thing to remember, is that it's written and directed by a woman of color. It stars women of color. So not only does this look good, but it's an own voices work, which is a very important thing to support. Miss Juneteenth gets an 8 out of 11. My future friends, let us take our final break as we hear word from our good friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single popular culture and basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in because we're We're doing doing fine all right we are back we are back with a limited release film called oh another documentary actually i forgot one called a crime on the bayou a black teenager bravely challenges the most powerful white supremacist in 1960 louisiana with the help of a young jewish attorney Systemic racism meets its match in decisive courtroom battles, including the U.S. Supreme Court, and a lifelong friendship is born. So there's a little more to the the premise than that. There was a book written about this called Deep Delta Justice, a black teen, his lawyer, and their groundbreaking battle for civil rights in the South. And you can get it right now. It's both on physical and on Kindle, uh, so you can watch that. But here is what it's about. In 1966, in the small town of Plaque Mines Parish, Louisiana, I think Plaque Mines, something like that, on the Bone Straight main road of Highway 23, two school-aged black boys were walking home from their already fraught day at their recently desegregated school when they were waylaid by four white boys who were jonesing for a fight. Just as the encounter was heating up, 19-year-old Gary Duncan, cousin of one of the black boys, was driving down the road and spied the impending melee. Sensing trouble, he intervened and de-escalated the encounter. Touching one of the white boys on the shoulder, Gary said, you'd best run along home now. The boy retorted, my people can put you in jail for that. And that's exactly what they tried to do for four straight years. So this is about the case of Duncan versus Louisiana. And uh, apparently it was a momentous moment in civil rights uh, law. So yes, this is probably one of those documentaries that's going to make you very angry. Very, very angry. Because we have this case where this young black man simply touched a white guy. And they tried to put him in jail. He was trying to stop a fight. He was trying to do good and, you know, save his cousin and friend because he probably would have been beaten to death if those white boys had their way. And he gets... And they tried to throw him in jail for that. And documentaries like this are just an easy reminder that things were terrible. They got a little better, but still are terrible in very similar yet strikingly different ways. There still obviously is the blatant racism we see in things like this from the 60s and even earlier. Uh, But there's also a lot of terrible shit out there. So if you use movies as an escape, maybe this isn't for you, uh, but I do think it's something important to watch. A Crime on the Bayou gets a 9 out of 11. Next up is a movie coming to video on demand as well as limited in theaters. It's called The Birthday Cake. 
On the 10th anniversary of his father's death, Giovanni reluctantly accepts the task of bringing a cake to the home of his uncle, a mob boss, for a celebration. Just two hours into the night, Gio's life is forever changed. This stars Ewan McGregor from Star Wars Episode One, Val Kilmer from The Saint, Lorraine Bracco from The Sopranos, William Fickner from Black Hawk Down, Ashley Benson from Pretty Little Liars, Penn Badgley from Gossip Girl, Aldous Hodge from Hidden Figures, Jeremy Allen White from Shameless, John Magaro from Overlord, Luis Guzman from Traffic, Jake Weary from It Follows, David Mazouz from Gotham, Emery Cohen from The OA or The OA, I'm still not sure how to say that, Silo Fernandez from The Evil Dead Remake, and Paul Sorvino from The Rocketeer, and Father of Mira Sorvino. So this has a bonkers cast. That is a batch crazy cast right there and i love it and it has ewan mcgregor in it and if i ever met ewan mcgregor i would just melt into a puddle i would just melt i love that man so much he could just smile at me and i would blush so hard that my head would explode that that would probably happen but this is a mob movie we like mob movies right if you don't like mob movies this is an easy skip for you easy peasy skippy Reezy, I, I don't know. I, I tried to do something different there. It didn't work. And I'm sorry. I apologize to everyone for that. But it's an interesting idea because we have this guy, Giovanni, who is delivering a cake to his uncle's house on the anniversary of his father's death. His father, his father died. I, I forgot how they say his father died, but it was, you know, doing mob shenanigans. And as he's delivering the cake, the FBI stops him and talks to him and goes, hey, you know, let the maybe you can help us out. Like, hey, help us out here. Uh, they don't say that. That's what the mob says. <laughs> but just by talking to them, his family, uh, his family at his uncle's house gets really sus. And maybe it's even implied. And I think it's implied from the trailer that Giovanni's father was killed by his uncle because he's a paranoid and suspicious person. So because of this fact that the FBI just talked to this kid, he didn't even say shit to them that, that he that they just talked to him. His life is going to be forever changed. This movie makes me think of the movie Brooklyn's Finest. Do you remember that? Uh, I mentioned it when I was talking about Anton Fuqua, and it was one that starred Don Cheadle, Richard Gere, Ethan Hawke, Wesley Snipes. Fantastic crime movie. But I 100% skipped it in theaters. I watched it later. It's on my shelf right now because it's good. It is a good crime drama. And I think that's what we're going to get with the birthday cake. I think it's going to be a good crime drama. And I think you could skip it at home and just wait till they find it on sale or wait till you can watch it on streaming for free or wait until that right time. And I think you'll enjoy it. I think this is a solid pick. Not great. Not bad. Looks fun. And sometimes what more do you want? The birthday cake gets a 7.5 out of 11. Okay, future friends. Uh, I know what I named the episode and it kind of hints that this next movie is a pick of the week, but I actually changed my mind uh, because I like to cry. <laughs> That's a lie, but um, I did change my mind. So the next movie we're going to talk about is actually The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which gets a nationwide release this week. And it's a sequel to The Hitman's Bodyguard. Duh. This is about the bodyguard. Michael Bryce continues his friendship with the assassin Darius Kincaid as they try to save Darius's wife, Sonia. This stars Samuel L. Jackson from Snakes on a Plane. Ryan Reynolds from Deadpool, Salma Hayek from Frida, Gary Oldman from Dracula, Morgan Freeman from Million Dollar Baby, Frank Grillo from Captain America, The Winter Soldier, 
Antonio Banderas from The Mask of Zorro, and Tom Hopper from Umbrella Academy. And fun fact, Tom Hopper uh, in Umbrella Academy plays Luther. And every time that song by Tiffany plays, I think we're alone now, uh, my wife and I rush to be the first one to say it's the best thing that Luther ever did. Because Luther in the first season of Umbrella Academy was so useless that... The only good thing he ever did was put on that record so the whole uh, the whole mansion could dance and get that that dance montage in the early season one. Was it the first episode or was it second? I don't know, but that's just a fun fact from uh, from my life. But yeah, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard um, looks like more of the same. And with movies like this, really, what do you expect? If you saw the first one, you liked the first one. This isn't the type of series that's going to try to take it into new and interesting directions. They know what you want. They're going to deliver it. It's going to be a similar story and they're going to change it up so you don't get bored, uh, but it's going to be similar jokes. It's going to kind of follow the rules of horror movies as explained in the second Scream movie, where it's just going to be uh, everything's going to escalate because they have to up the ante from the first film. But this is a safe choice. This is really a safe choice because if you saw the Hitman's Bodyguard and you liked it, you will like the hitman's wife's bodyguard. If you're a bit pickier with your movies, maybe you won't. That's fine. Whatever. But if you just like these big budget action comedies, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to judge you because you know me. I like that shit too. If you like these films, you're going to like this. And that's a big bonus for us if we like films like that. Because we can see one. We can see a trailer for that and going, okay, that is a very, very safe movie to watch. Because I will, at the very least have fun even if it's not the best i've ever seen even if it's not going to make it in my collection even if i just go walk away going okay that was fun but i don't need to see it again that's still a positive experience because you know me i watch a lot of different movies i will watch a fast and furious movie and then i'll turn around and watch a24's newest indie hit or whatever and the big blockbusters the big budget studio movies tend to stay steady when I take chances, that that's when it can either sink like the lighthouse. I f***ing hate it in the lighthouse. Or it really surprises me and blows my mind. So if you don't want to take a risk, you can check this out. So, so this has the benefit of having Selma Hayek in it, who we know and like. Gary Oldman, fantastic. This has a good cast. And it's two comedic actors... Well, they can do drama too, of course, uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Ryan Reynolds, who have very particular styles, and those styles work together very well. We have Samuel L. Jackson, who is loud, abrasive, and says motherfucker a lot, which is wonderful. I love that. And we have Ryan Reynolds, who's more snarky, and that's great too. And they work together so well. They work together so, so well. Then we throw Selma Hayek into the mix, who's this wild card. And who's going to bounce off them very well. And I think this is just a, a just a fun movie. How many times can I say that? Just stay tuned and you'll hear it. It's going to be an enjoyable film. There, see, I changed it up. The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard gets an 8.5 out of 11. All right, folks, two movies left. Let's talk about the next one, which is a Disney Plus original film called Luca. On the Italian Riviera, an unlikely but strong friendship grows between a human being and a sea monster disguised as a human. This features the voices of Jacob Tremblay, Maya Rudolph, Jack Dylan Grazier, 
Jim Gaffigan, and Emma Berman. And yes, we've talked about this on the show before. We've talked about this in the trailer trove when the trailer came out, and I'm very excited for it. I, I will see this film, maybe even this week. But we also talked about it in the news because remember, Pixar was upset with this, finding out that even though theaters are starting to open up again, even though we're starting to get our butts back in front of the silver screen, this movie was not getting a theatrical release. It wasn't even getting Disney Plus premiere access. It's supposed to be coming straight to Disney Plus with no paywall, just like Soul did. So during the pandemic, we had two Pixar films come out, two Pixar films, and they both came straight to Disney Plus with no theater time, though Soul couldn't get theater time. So no theater time and no $30 paywall. While Disney, Disney proper, not not Pixar, had movies come out, Ryan the Last Dragon, which yes, wasn't Pixar, that was Walt Disney Animation. So we had Ryan the Last Dragon, we had Mulan, we had all, we had all these other movies coming out like Cruella 2, hitting the paywall. And for Pixar, which does well, even Pixar's worst movies, which are the Cars franchise, still do really well. And Disney was like, eh, suck a dick. I'm pretty sure that's their exact quote too. Suck a dick. I think I read that somewhere. Probably in Variety. So I understand their frustration. Because the more money Pixar brings in, the more money they will get to do other things and the safer they are when it comes to their jobs because we also we have disney forever expanding like the universe itself and then so we have these pixar people questioning their future but all of that aside luca looks good it does it it's a very interesting idea of these these sea monster brothers i think uh who can look human unless they get wet then their magic or whatever fades and they become sea monsters again. And how they just kind of like like Ariel dream of the human world. I do want to see a version of this movie where they get to the human world and they just look at the news and they're like, no, f*** that. And they just turn back around and go, sea monster life for me. All right, f*** you guys. Uh, but I am also a cynical bastard, so that, that, that works. But come on, Luca is a Pixar animated movie watch it just watch it you know you're going to and unless you hate movies like this in which case yeah that's fine uh some people just hate fun and joy i get it but for the rest of us it's a safe bet just like i said with the hitman's wife's bodyguard it's a safe bet we can save these movies we are if you're not super stoked for it it's a good movie to save because you can just keep it one day and you're like, Hey, you know what? Maybe I'm, maybe you're feeling down. Maybe you want to celebrate or maybe you and your significant other just want to watch a movie. You want a movie night. You're like, Oh, I know we've been saving this film and it's a safe bet. How many more times can I say safe bet? Only time will tell, but Luca does look good. And I do like the fact that Pixar doesn't always shove a bunch of celebrities down our throat. I mean, look at that cast of everyone that was uh, part of the vocal cast. I only said Jacob Tremblay, Maya Rudolph, Jack Dylan Grazier, Jim Gaffigan, and Emma Berman. And Maya Rudolph and Jim Gaffigan, I know, do voices. But maybe not even Jim Gaffigan doing voices. It's just his voice. He has a unique voice. So you could just hear him and go, oh yeah, that's him. Like Keith David. If you hear Keith David's voice, you know it's him. 
You know him from The Princess and the Frog. If you saw movies like The Thing, They Live, Armageddon, you know him. If you play the Mass Effect games, you know him. Anytime you hear his voice, you're like, oh, hey, it's that guy. Even if you can't say the name Keith David right off the top of your head, you know him. So I think that's what Jim Gavigan can bring to this. But what was I saying anyway before I got off on this tangent is I like the fact that that Pixar doesn't always shove a bunch of celebrities down our throat when it comes to the vocal cast because half the time with these things, who cares? Look at Up, one of Pixar's biggest films. And the only people that I could say that you may know off the top of your head are Ed Asner, Christopher Plummer, Delroy Lindo, and John Ratzenberger. John Ratzenberger, because of course he's in it. He's in every Pixar movie. Ooh, maybe everyone. He's not credited for this. What the f***? I mean, come on, Pixar. And the voices make sense. Delroy Lindo, very specific voice. Ed Asner sounds like an old man. And guess what? Carl's an old man. Christopher Plummer sounded like an old man. Charles Muntz was an old man. And they fit. So I, I really like Pixar in that sense, that they just don't shove a bunch of people down our throats. And when they do pick someone famous, it fits. Like, it, it makes sense. Look at Soul with uh, Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey. Uh, that one made sense. Luca is going to be good. It's going to be a solid film. Because remember, at least Pixar's worst movies are still at least fun. Cars may not be good, but it's enjoyable. So Luca will, at the very least, be that. Luca gets an 8.5 out of 11. All right, my future friends, it is time for the pick of the week. And yes, like I said, it changed. It originally was a Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Uh, but after thinking about it, I am far more excited for this film. So the pick of the week is called Fatherhood. A father brings up his baby girl as a single dad after the unexpected death of his wife who died a day after their daughter's birth. This stars Kevin Hart from Ride Along, Lil Rel Howery from Get Out, Rachel Matumbo from The Bold Type, and Paul Reiser from Aliens. That's right, Paul Reiser still at it. Good for him. So this movie is going to make me cry. That's just the way it's going to be. I'm going to watch this movie. I'm going to sob. I'm going to sob 900. Did I make a joke about a Swedish uh, car company? Yes, I did. See, this show's for gearheads too. Not really, it's not. So this is based off of the book Two Kisses for Maddie, a memoir of loss and love by Matt Loglin. And going into it, we know a couple things about this movie. From the way it's sold, we know there's going to be a happy ending. Even though it's about something tragic, we know it's going to be a happy ending. We know there has to be more to it than just someone being a single dad and crushing it. It can't be that simple. He has to learn a lesson. Some Something has to happen to threaten their family somehow. There has to be some sort of growth required. There has to be some sort of risk. Because otherwise, why pick this story to be a movie? It's like when you watch a movie based off a, a book where someone talks about how they lived with a loved one with cancer. We know that the person may die, but there has to be more to it than that. So that's one of the things that interests me. What also interests me is seeing Kevin Hart in a mostly serious role. We know he does comedy. He does comedy well. We know there's going to be some funny parts in this movie, but it's not going to be a comedy. This is going to be a family drama, and we're going to see Kevin Hart get, get to flex his acting muscles here. So if you don't like him as a comedian... 
maybe this is a movie for you to watch because maybe you could appreciate him as a more serious actor. Because we have a film with Kevin Hart, and it looks like Lil Rel Howery is going to be the comic relief. The good news about this week is that there's going to be something for you. The top three movies present a, uh, a nice array of films. We have a something for families that anyone could watch of any age, Luca. We have something a little more serious with a touch of comedy, but probably going to hit you in the feels with fatherhood. We have a straight-up action comedy that's something more exciting, something more flashy in The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. We have something that's a crime drama off the beaten path with the birthday cake. We, we have a lot of good stuff this week, and there's going to be something for you to watch. But my pick is going to be Fatherhood, because I think this looks like the best film this week. It's also on Netflix, which gives it bonus points for being on the most popular streaming service. And I just think it looks good. And I think we need to watch a positive story. So Luca and Fatherhood, great films for that. Uh, this is one of the better weeks for films that we've had in a while. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch quite a few of these. So you know what? Tell me what you would watch. If you had to pick out of all the movies, what would you watch? And, you know, until we come back with the question of the week, uh, if ever, but uh, until the question of the week returns... Uh, tell me what would you watch if you could only watch one thing this week and it had to be a new release? Well, my future friends, thank you for tuning in. I, I thank you so much for listening. It does mean a lot. And I will send you along your way with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>